0: everybody. It's the Bauer and Rose podcast, Just the news.com. You can find us Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever else you get your podcast, and our good friends at SiriusXM, the Patriot, Channel 125. Uh, Welcome back, everybody. Bauer was, uh, again, uh, as we were about to start the broadcast, commenting on last night's, I guess you could call it a national championship football game. It was more like Notre Dame against the sacred bleeding heart of, uh, of the little
1: sisters of the poor.
0: <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, brag and boast about what you sent. Well, everybody. no,
1: well, well. First of all, we have uh, extended family in Atlanta, and they are dogs fans, and they were very, very happy. Obviously, uh, but when Georgia scored really early in the game after stopping uh, Texas Christian very easily. I uh, texted everybody and I said, I'm just doing some simple math here. Now, keep in mind the three minutes are off the clock in the first quarter. I said the final score is going to be 60 to nothing. And then I almost altered that and I said, wait a minute, I want to bring that back. But I didn't actually do this part. And I was going to say, chances are there'll be one touchdown scored by Texas Christian. And that would make the, the score 60 the seven. Uh, well, what was it? 62? 65 seven? to... 65, seven, yeah. The 19 or something, wasn't
0: it? No, right? seven. Okay, all right. There you anyway, go. I um, am a big Ohio State fan, and when Noah Ruggles shanked the game-winning field goal with seven seconds to go, Ohio State fan lost the game 42-41 to Georgia, It was uh, just as well. It was what the gods had ordered. We cannot win. Ohio State cannot win a national championship after losing to Michigan. The season is ruined. I mean, had they won the national championship, it just wouldn't have been the same. You can't beat Michigan. Uh, Anyway, welcome to the podcast. Proving (laughs) yet again. I mean, we've got a bunch of things to talk about. I want to get to one thing first that might not bother you since... You have a Michelin star chef in your home, and you don't even know the difference. Um, Proving Charles Krauthammer's famous observation that liberals don't really care what the policy is so long as it's mandatory, we are now in the final stages. I just found this out today. The final stages of a Biden administration permanent ban on gas stoves, you know, those appliances that uh, one out of four American households used to cook food. The feigned excuse, of course, is indoor air pollution, which is a, a bunk, because all you have to do is turn on the overhead fan that comes with every single
1: gas cooktop. I, 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 I'm i stunned by this. Well, I, I think, first of all, Tom, if they go ahead with this, this may be the thing that destroys the Democrat Party. I, I mean, you, you can't tell millions of Americans they can't have us. A gas stove. By the way, when I first heard the story, I thought they were—I thought this was another cow story—that it's cow gas that's causing global warming. So I, when I first heard it, I heard the very end of it. I thought it said the Consumer Product Safety Commission was getting ready to outlaw gas. <laughs> and, and I thought, oh, this is going to kill them with blue collar workers. I mean, this is going to be this is going <laughs> to be devastating. The bars all over America will be an open re- revolt. Yeah, no, se- seriously, uh, it, when government is muscular, and Biden and the Democrats are creating a more and more muscular government, freedom wilts. Freedom erodes and uh, we're, we're seeing, um, you know, perfect examples of it right now. When you started, by the way, I thought you were going to begin the podcast uh, with a mea culpa.
0: Well, uh, I'll get to the mea culpa, but this to me, this I'm talking about overreach, you know, the low flow toilets. OK, that's one thing. So you have to flush the one and a half gallon toilet six times. To achieve the same effect that the other old toilets were, but banning gas stoves first of all, it cooks better it's healthier uh, and you've got twenty five percent of the households in this country have gas stoves no, I, I just I'm, the overreach is stunning to me you'll mm-hmm. you'll get the mea culpa it won't well, be as definitive as you might hope, but you'll get the mea culpa but i I want to focus on this for a minute
1: no i I think it's a great thing to focus on um. And and I'm only being half jocular when I say this could be the death knell of the Democrat Party and Joe Biden. But I do think, Tom, this is one of those things. Ironically, um, we now live in a country where people are sort of ambivalent about freedom of speech. Well, yeah, I'm for freedom of speech unless I disagree with it. (laughs) <laughs> or, unless it's, or unless it's dangerous, or you know, it's right wing speech, we can't we can't have that. Um, and uh, you know, the the country pretty well yawned when governors and and uh, the federal government, through a variety of maneuvers, shut down the majority of churches in America and used COVID as, as the excuse. A day doesn't go by when they're not plotting to take away our right a gun uh, to protect our families. Um, but these things, you know, have kind of lost their edge. But if you go after people's gas stoves, I mean, come on. This no, is... I mean, how is this even going to work? No, I, mean, I have I... no idea. You realize they're going to have to hire. You know, when we get done in the new House of Representatives, firing the 86,000 additional IRS agents, uh, the the Consumer Product Safety Commission will hire them to be kitchen inspectors going door to door in your neighborhood to make sure you've complied.
0: Well, I, you know, this hasn't even developed any kind of critical mass, even in our uh, conservosphere, in our media. And I'm just wondering... Do they focus group this kind of stuff? I mean, do do people really want to rip out that? This will cost thousands of dollars for each homeowner.
1: Yeah, look, I I mean... This could even cause problems in the LGBTQ community. <laughs> all right, because all right, all right. They're some of the biggest crooks around, you know. Right. I mean, guys right. in the yeah, kitchen. I'm trying <laughs> to
0: actually create a bit of a grassroots movement to push back, and Bauer is mocking me. Bauer is waiting for a mea culpa from me. And You don't it, know what, do you? Peace of course word. I do. What? The, the Kevin McCarthy issue. Oh, Oh, oh why? Is there another one? Do I owe well, you another why, mea culpa? I, I,
1: I had five things here. But, <laughs> that, was, that was at the top of the list.
0: Okay. Well, here, first of all, all right, you'll get the mea culpa in the sense that it's done and Kevin McCarthy got elected, but um, nearly all of these new house rules that are talked about on TV were agreed two months ago, that which is work. why, that, hold on, let me, I'll get which is why the majority of the Freedom Caucus never went along with this. It wasn't, I don't think it's fair to say it was 20 patriots going up against uh, 200 rhinos. Rhinos like Jim Jordan, Jim Banks, Steve Scalise, Marjorie Taylor Greene, for crying out loud. Donald Trump, he's a rhino. Look, yeah. I'm glad I'm glad it got done. Um, what started off as an anybody-but-McCarthy movement, when they realized that that wasn't going to go anywhere. And I'm not a McCarthy fan. I I think he very well possibly is a squish, and a lot of these changes were needed. But uh, Jordan was on TV last night. I mean, almost all of this stuff had been agreed two months ago. But I'm glad it's done. I'm glad they refined some of the rules. I'm glad we have a speaker. I'm glad there's the, the, the motion to vacate the chair, because if McCarthy turns
1: out to be a stinker, we can get rid of him. Well... Uh, I I have talked to multiple members of Congress personally, and I can tell you, without fear of contradiction, these things were not agreed to a month ago. Quite the opposite. When they were presented, they were figuratively thrown back in their faces as, no, non-starters, we're not going to do that. I mean, it wasn't a battle over nothing, Tom. That's ridiculous. Um, it, no, Jim Jordan's not a, you know, rhino or a- anything close to a rhino. Uh, but Jim Jordan didn't call these 20 terrorists, insurrectionists. He didn't physically threaten them.
0: Ben, Crenshaw, ben Crenshaw gave what I thought was a very... Uh, um, earnest and genuine attempt to apologize. He said his, the comment was uh, totally uncalled for and he personally apologized. I mean when you're in negotiations like that, people say stupid things. And that was a stupid thing. <laughs> but well, what, about, what, what about all the people calling, what about all the 20 calling everybody like Jim Jordan and Jim Banks
1: who can any, you, if by any show, def- if you show me a quote by any of those guys in the twenty that called Jordan or Banks rhinos. I'll eat the sheep sheet of paper. They aimed their fire at McCarthy and the party donor class, which, by the way, was burning up the cell phones of the 20, telling them they would be destroyed by the donor class unless they caved. The I'm, fact, sure I'm sure that's true. The, the fact of the matter is, Tom, that there's a reason that when the Democrats have even a minor majority in the House of Representatives, which is what Nancy Pelosi had, they there's no stopping them. There is no stopping them. They are all in. When we have a majority. Uh, the, the excuses begin immediately. And I, and I, and I, you know, I think both of us agreed on this. I want to say it again. The reason, I think the main reason this battle took place is because after winning a Republican House of Representatives, Mitch McConnell and 17 Republicans in the United States Senate passed an omnibus bill right over the heads of the new majority House of Representatives so they could get in a year of the set-asides and earmarks and big spending that they wanted and basically um, defanged the first year of a Republican Congress. How does that happen? How in the world does that happen? So there was a reason Donald Trump got the nomination in 2016. The grassroots of the Republican Party were furious with the Republican Party. And this spectacle this week, not of the 20, but of how hard the party fought to stop those reforms is another example of why the Republican Party, in my view, is perilously close to unraveling, and they don't even know it.
0: Oh, I think they know it now. (laughs) You you don't think that we have the the sense that that things are coming apart at the seams. Um, The one thing that wasn't discussed, let alone agreed upon at, I have a source, I'm not sure how impeccable that source is or comparable to your numerous sources, that claims that shortly after the election, the GOP leadership met with, the so-called five uh, dissidents, where they hashed out all the issues. They left the meeting thinking there was an agreement on a lot of the issues I mentioned a minute ago, the the, uh, term limits vote, which, of course, is a prelude to a constitutional amendment. You can't statutorily change that, the balanced budget, the proxy voting, waiving all the COVID mandates, uh, no more omnibus, which, of course, will come into effect until fiscal year 2024 because of what you just mentioned regular order the bills now have to go through committees and um there were no additional issues and mccarthy uh before he adjourned asked if there were anything else that anybody wanted to discuss any other problems they hadn't talked about anything else they wanted to address or fight about and none of them raised any additional issues that led leadership which is galise jordan McCarthy, who else is up there? Uh, James Comer, who I actually happen to like, um, convinced them that it was simply an anybody but McCarthy movement. Now, there was, there was progress. Good for them. I'm glad it got done. And there were very positive things that were done. The one thing that wasn't discussed and the one thing that, that, that bothers me, and it has nothing to do with Ukraine, it has everything to do with China, was this massive cut in defense spending. And it's a sticking point with a lot of conservatives who aren't isolationists, who aren't pacifists, and that's because they see, like me and I think you, a massive threat, unlike any threat this country has ever faced, from communist China. Not only an economic giant, but they're building nukes by the hundreds in the thousands. And their conventional and asymmetric capabilities are easily a match for ours. They might, Gary, even uh, be ahead of us in some areas. Make, China's preparing for war. I mean, make no mistake. And they're not planning on losing a war if they start one. So to agree to this uh, massive budget freeze, which includes defense, at a time like this, uh, I
1: think is dangerous. Tom, there there are billions of dollars in the defense budget that can be um, saved. Uh, Just the easy stuff, you immediately defund anything to do with woke. All of it, immediately. Uh, There's no question in an entity that large,
0: $850 billion, that there's waste
1: Second of all, without you know, going down this rabbit hole again, I would just say, I hope in passing that if we weren't sending $60 billion of aid to Ukraine, according to multiple articles depleting our own military supplies, we wouldn't be so in such a catch up mode and so many weapon programs. The third point I would make, Tom, is that we've been, you know, when we get in, we throw money at defense the way the left throws money at social programs. And what is happening, and it's been going on for a long time now, is that the uniparty leaders get together and the Republicans say to the Democrats, or maybe it's the other way around, the Democrats say... Look, uh, we'll go along with an increase in the Pentagon uh, as long as you go along with another uh, 200 billion for these domestic programs. And everybody high fives each other, and America goes into another half trillion dollars of debt. We are on the verge of being a bankrupt country, and bankrupt countries. Don't win wars, no matter how many weapons they have. Um, so th- there's a lot of blame here to go around, or whatever. You remember Eisenhower's warning about the industrial military-industrial military complex? Industrial and complex? Farewell address, right. Yeah, we, we have it, Tom. Oh, Let we've me.
0: had it for seventy years. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, but, it, but are you con- suggesting we, we the consequences of it is getting worse? The consequences of it is getting worse.
0: I, I look, here's, here's a point I'll make on the Ukraine war, which uh, might not be popular. It might be too uh, Machiavellian. We have learned more in the last year about conducting successful asymmetric warfare than we otherwise would have known. Our ability as, um, our, a lot of the military analysts have, have, uh, have, have discussed to coordinate intelligence and precision guided munitions and high mobility artillery, uh, coordinating with Starlink, um, it, it's just, this war has, truly changed the face of war, exposing what would be Western liabilities, Western weaknesses. The Russians, of course, are learning this as well. The Chinese are learning this as well. But this this war has given us an insight into what future war will look like. And the war I'm talking about, obviously, is the uh, collision that is uh, marching toward us by the hour between the U.S. and China.
1: Well, I, I mean, I don't know what else to add, to add to the conversation. Um, you know, we, we got caught with our pants down on, uh, these new supersonic missiles. Hypersonics, yeah. Hypersonic missiles. Um, we, we've had a strategy for years that depended on, uh, aircraft carriers having jets and bombers that could leave them, reach the enemy. And deal it a brutal blow. Uh, shockingly, the Chinese came up with this idea of <laughs> let's develop a missile, a ground-to-sea missile that can sink an aircraft carrier, and let's have the At range, sea moving up to a thousand miles from the Chinese coast. Right, which is further than the range of our aircraft to leave the aircraft carrier hit the target, and get back to the aircraft. So China has neutralized our aircraft carrier uh, uh, asset. Capability, correct. Okay. So all that money, all that money that we threw at the Pentagon, nobody over there? It didn't cross anybody's mind? Well, what's plan B? when they develop a much cheaper missile than our aircraft carriers that makes our aircraft carriers obsolete. Well, the answer is... Washington is sick. Its bureaucracy is sick. It doesn't know what it's doing. We've got generals sitting in the Pentagon that have 20 times more medals on their chests than Eisenhower did after he liberated
0: Europe. And these are generals that, of course, lose wars, like our current uh, Joint Chiefs Chairman uh, General Mark Milley. the I don't want to get too far into the weeds on this, but obviously the uh, area access denial strategy that the Chinese have tried to impose on us, push us out of the Western Pacific, get rid of us entirely, necessitates a dramatic change on our defense posture uh, to go from the surface underneath. I mean, we need Massive submarine capabilities to cut China's lines of communication. But in any event, we're going to take a break because when we come back, we got far more exciting things to talk about. I want to get into this Joe Biden corruption story, right? I mean, classified for thee, (laughs) but not for me. You're listening to the Bauer and Rose podcast on JustTheNews.com and SiriusXM The Patriot Channel 125. Welcome back, everybody. Tom Rose, Gary Bauer, with you. That is uh, Gary Bauer of Gary Bauer's. Fa- I've known Gary Bauer. I knew Gary Bauer before he was when I mean, he was just Gary Bauer. Um, <laughs> if you can, if you can imagine, I, can I tell a funny Gary Bauer
1: story? I don't even know what that means, Tom. Can I?
0: I, 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 I this is this is before you and I became close. Um, Wait a minute. We're close. We're close. <laughs> you were. This has got to be ninety-eight, ninety-nine. Uh, you were in Israel, and you met with a group of um, American Jewish women from Hadassah, which is uh, the organization that raises money for the finest medical institution in the Middle East, Hadassah Hospital. And all these women, most of them, I would imagine, now. Are with their maker. It was that kind oh. of demographic, <laughs> and I—I I was there. I was publisher of the Jerusalem Post, and we were co-sponsors of this event. You hadn't yet announced, but it was pretty obvious you were running for president. And these women, before you got there, were very concerned. You know, does Gary drink? Um, no, of course not. He's an evangelical. So the waiter went around the room. And all these old Jewish ladies are ordering, you know, Shirley Temples and ginger ales. And they get to Bauer, and Bauer goes, uh, give me a Jack Daniels.
1: No, I did not. They're going to kill me with my evangelical supporters. I I ordered a glass of wine. Okay, you ordered a glass. Okay, whatever it was. And
0: then everybody starts changing their orders. (laughs) All the women started changing their orders. So anyway, that... um, that's the that's the gary bauer story i i wanted to share apropos absolutely apropos absolutely nothing um so what do you make of course these 10 classified documents were discovered at an office of the biden university of pennsylvania biden center about four blocks from the white house back in november so in other words the president knew he had classified documents in his private possession for two months now um, we all know this because of the raid on Mar-a-Lago. Um, but do you think, I mean, I'm surprised I haven't seen video footage from the raid on Joe Biden's office, the SWAT teams, the appointment of a special counsel. But Biden's not going to be raided and attacked like uh, Trump was. There's no way in hell that every living Ex president doesn't have classified. I guarantee you, Clinton's got them. George W. Bush has got them. Uh, Obama's got them. Well, we know uh, Hillary might not have them because she destroyed thirty-three thousand. Uh, but Gore, Cheney—they all probably have documents too.
1: Yeah, they do, Tom. And uh, look, something else jumped out at me. When you get ready to move, and you—you've done a—I think you've had a couple of moves recently. Uh, you know you. Sometimes you call friends over, you know, to help you with the move. Sometimes uh, uh, you you hire professional movers. Um, these documents were being moved out of Biden's office um, and they were discovered by his attorneys. Now, Can you tell me the last time you called attorneys and said, I'm planning to move. Will you come to my house and move my stuff out? The whole story is fishy. I mean, there's a really... The documents were discovered by your attorneys in the middle of a move? I find that hard to believe. The uh, Second of all is uh, the point that you make. I mean, we've all known this all along. There isn't a president in modern times that hasn't had a dispute with the uh, various government agencies in charge of the turning over of government documents at the end of an administration. The only time it became a you know, huge controversy that resulted in an FBI raid, uh, you know, early one morning was when it involved Donald Trump. This is the usual pattern. Uh, I, you know, I, I I guess I could set my alarm really early tomorrow morning, you know, get up at 4 a.m., turn on Fox, the, you know, because I want to be the first one to see the story that the FBI raided uh, Biden's uh, Delaware Beach House uh, to see if there might be more classified documents there. But, of course, that's not going to happen. The other thing is, Tom, this this uh, discovery of classified documents took place or was discovered about a week before the election. And we're not finding out about it until two months after the election. So Biden knew for months that he yes. had. Right.
0: Yeah. Uh, and uh, he- don't you love the media coverage? The media coverage is... Uh, the documents were found in a secure location and did not contain nuclear secrets. How do they? What do you mean, secure location? Well, in, in, a, in a closet a, in, in a closet uh, At, by the eight way. blocks from the White House. Meanwhile, yeah. the Trump documents were kept in a locked room under
1: Secret Service guard. So, uh, you know, the the place, the offices were the Biden pen center in Washington, D.C., or it could be the Penn-Biden Center, you know, maintained by uh, University of Pennsylvania, where Biden has this sweetheart deal that he had when he was, uh, uh, after he left the vice presidency, where he got paid some incredible amount of money. Uh, He now tells people he's a professor there. He was a professor there. He taught, what,
0: seven or eight Times and getting I mean, gets a million dollars a year. Got a million dollars. Yeah, a
1: year. yeah, that's higher than my honorarium. I got to tell you, and I don't have any classified documents in my closet. Uh-huh. No, anyway, that's
0: what that's what you think.
1: Yeah, it we'll was, plant uh, some on you, and you know. So it was at this Penn Biden Center or Biden Penn Center, and it reminded me when I when I heard that the you know that it was University of Pennsylvania um, that a number of years ago they accepted forty million dollars from communist China in donations, coincidentally, right after Biden left the the vice presidency and set up the Penn Biden Center. So, wow. I mean, you know, a cynic might say, did the communist Chinese see Biden having this relationship with the university? and end up saying, you know what, this would be a good time to send the university 40 million bucks. Now, we also know that I think there's a Confucius Center at the university. It's one of these... Oh, they're all over the place. Yeah, they're all over the place. And there are Chinese communist nationals on many of these universities. I'm assuming they're probably at the university also. They might have free reign to go in and out of other university facilities around. I mean,
0: I've got I've got some inside knowledge there. When I worked in the uh, Trump administration, we closed the Houston consulate of the uh, People's Republic of China because that was ground zero for China's espionage activities, their NGO espionage activities in this country, Confucian centers, corporate espionage, their military and um, diplomatic espionage was directed out of Washington, but they had a huge corporate, industrial, and academic espionage. Houston, we closed that embassy. Of course, it's now reopened. Biden reopened it. What was the name? I was away for a couple of weeks overseas. This GOP candidate who fudged his resume, now being asked to resign. Did you hear what Biden said on Sunday? I mean, this was so bizarre. And again, not covered. Um, when he was visiting the border, he told customs agents that he used to work for the Secret Service and was stationed in Poland and Ukraine. Wait a minute, Biden
1: used to or or Santos?
0: No, Biden told these customs agents that he used to work with Secret Service agents on the ground
1: in Poland and Ukraine. Well, Tom, if you're going to start nitpicking, uh, I mean, now, I think I don't know. He says stuff every single day that this George Santos, you know. Yeah, well, you know, I, by the way, yes, if I, if I, Knew his name. I I know him well, actually. Uh, I first met Santos when he and I were on the Mars landing craft. Uh, And uh, he's a fine man, and I think he speaks very highly of me. (laughs) uh, I mean, uh, look, if if, uh, now I have to admit Can you imagine if Trump had said something like that? Yeah, just a
0: complete bald face. Absolute ex nihilo lie, with not even a glimmer of
1: well of you, truth. You you know the old uh, trick question. How do you know when a politician in Washington is lying? <laughs> Their lips his, are moving. His lips are moving. Yes,
0: yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, the one thing, and 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 we're running out of time. But I wanted to get into this. I didn't talk uh, to you about this before, but we have not yet eulogized Pope Benedict. Now, I found him, I'm a religious Jew, and I found him to be one of the most remarkably articulate defenders of Western culture, of Judeo-Christian civilization, certainly in my lifetime, perhaps dating back to before the war. He was the most, I would argue, the most courageous pope in my lifetime. And I know folks might say, what about John Paul II? Well, John Paul II stood up for oppressed people, and that took tremendous courage. But this guy stood up for Judea. This pope, I don't want to call him this guy. This guy stood up for Judeo-Christian principles at the very same time that we in the West were throwing ourselves out of windows. We were doing everything we could to undermine our values, our traditions, our principles, he confronted head on the moral relativists who now control our culture, who argued then and certainly argue now with more fervor than ever that the West is not only no better, but in fact worse than all the other uh, cultures and civilizations. I I just thought that he reminded us, and it's a great shame he wasn't uh, Pope for longer and he didn't he, he wasn't more personally charismatic, but not everybody can beat Gary Bauer. He just reminded us what Western civilization created, the very conditions that gave us the freedom and the reason and the personal conscience and tolerance. This is all no accident. It's the direct result of the Christian impact on the Western world.
1: Yeah, Tom, uh, the... um Western civilization, broadly speaking, is built on uh, Roman and Greek political philosophy. Um, And, you know, even that's rejected by today's uh, barbarians inside the gate. But the other major influence, particularly, obviously, on Israel, uh, would be the Torah or the Christian Old Testament, if you want to look at it that way. Uh, and the New Testament, the Bible, it, it's there that we found the central ideas of this civilization as it relates to the dignity and value and worth of every human being that were made by God in the image of God in some um, mystical way that as mere humans, we can't fully describe. But we know it means that no matter what the color of your skin or the condition of your body or. Your place in life, whether you're a newborn with Down syndrome or a 99-year-old with dementia, you have dignity, value, and worth because you were made by a living God and made in his image. All of those things are under attack. All those things are being eroded. And we can arm ourselves uh, a thousand times over with hardware. But if we don't rediscover the heart and soul of Western civilization, Judeo-Christian civilization, and teach it to our children, uh, we are lost. He, his Regensburg speech, given in uh,
0: 2006, turned into an encyclical. Um, he said that uh, with God, man is imperfect. Without God, what is he? And then that famous... Francis Bacon quote that they that deny god destroy man's nobility for certainly man is of kin to the beasts by his body and if he be not kin to god by his spirit he is a base and ignoble creature and uh, i think pope benedict will go down in history if we survive <laughs> if there's a western civilization yeah. uh, left to left to remember him as as a great leader of of the catholic church well
1: well said tom in, in case there's some leftists listening either to monitor us for future fbi raids or for some <laughs> other reason um let me say one other thing that will cause some heads to explode we're all familiar with the polling data that shows overwhelming majorities of the American people think we're headed in the wrong direction. Now, they think that for different reasons, but nonetheless, it's still very notable that in good economic times recently and in bad economic times, the figures stay sky high. Um, I, I would say, without any fear of contradiction, that it is impossible to imagine American renewal. It is impossible for America to be renewed without God. And that right there is something that very powerful people in all walks of life in America totally reject, are vehemently against, and will do everything to stop in their power. Very well said.
0: That does it for this edition of the Bower and Rose. Why is it called Bower and Rose? Why can't it be called Rose and Bower?
1: I think for the next 30 seconds, you can call it as we sign off, the Rose and Bower Show.
0: Okay, but I won't do that because it's actually the Bower and Rose podcast. And the Bower and Rose Show. Anyway, we will catch you all uh, later this week. Have a terrific week. And Gary, uh, uh, let me know what your stock picks are. If last night was any judge, I'd like to get in on some of your some of your stock suggestions.
1: Okay, I'll be sure. To do that,
0: Tom. <laughs> I'll talk to you later. Have, have a great couple of days.
1: You too.